Good morning. It's great to see you today. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Glad you're joining us uh, for this message. We are on week two of our little mini-series uh, from our Practical Christianity uh, series this fall. And I'm entitling this little mini-series, How to Get Along. Um, and we're looking at Romans 14. We begin this look last week. We're going to continue today uh, to look into Romans 14 and continue on the same subject matter of disputable matters, okay? So we're going to talk a little bit more on that. Uh, this morning, I, I love how Paul dives into these topic matters like he does. He just goes right at them. I just love that. And last week he talked about should you uh, eat meat or not eat meat? And and in this issue, he says, the one who chooses to eat meat ought not to condemn the one that doesn't, and the one who chooses not to eat meat ought not to judge the one uh, who does uh, eat meat. Both sides of these kind of issues tend to judge one another. That's what Paul's saying. You tend to judge one another and and the motives. Um, You know, I can just hear the meat eater declaring, I'm free in Christ, amen, I can eat anything I want, right, amen? Wouldn't that be the logic? And I can hear the one who, who abstains from meat, who thinks meat's wrong, would say, hey, I'm eating vegetables because I'm stewarding my body for Christ and I don't want to put stuff in it that might harm my body, right? Does that sound familiar or not? Do you guys not talk about diet at all in, in our age? Yeah, sure, the same kind of, same kind of logic is used. Um, and the one who abstains was called weak in their faith, but weak in faith means simply this, I'm choosing to abstain from an activity a person or a place because I feel it does me damage in my, in my relationship. So we all have weaknesses in faith when we define it that way, right? We all have places and, and people and activities we probably should avoid in, in, so that we don't stumble in our faith. So let me begin today by doing a super quick review of Romans chapter 14 verses 1 through 4, okay? This is what we covered last week. One, we're to accept the one whose faith is weak. They've chosen to abstain from an activity, a person or a place, uh, to keep from stumbling in their faith. So we, we're to say, okay, that's good. In fact, we might want to encourage them. That's good, good for you, right? If you're, if you're, you know, struggle with alcoholism, I, I'm going to tell you, you probably shouldn't go to bars. Amen, right? You should just avoid that place. It's probably going to kind of going to be a problem for you, and that's okay. Amen. Secondly, do not pass judgment on disputable matters. Issues that are gray need to remain gray. And they, they need to remain secondary. They cannot become a source of wrecking relationships, which is happening a lot in our, in our community of, uh, of Christ followers. Not here necessarily, but just in general, that we're having problems with people judging each other and wrecking relationships. Families are fighting over disputable matters and getting split right down the middle uh, over some of the current things that are going on. And that, that we got to watch out that secondary matters don't matter. Amen? In that regard. Thirdly, each of us is accountable um, to God for our course of action. The follower of Jesus is a servant to God, and to God, he or she must answer, and we're not to try to judge the intention of the heart of another person, okay? So as Paul continues his teaching in Romans 14, now he dives a little bit deeper into this subject matter of disputable matters and illustrates it's not just a case like that of meat, of not eating meat or eating meat. He gets into days of week now, and now there's multiple choices you can make, amen? And, and he, he, he wants to kind of expand our understanding uh, of keeping uh, disputable matters in the proper place. So I wanna, I, before we get into the scripture today, I, I just felt like I wanted to talk about an example of a married couple and how a disputable matter can become a problem really quickly, it can escalate. So let's pretend you're married. If you're married, this is gonna be really easy to do, amen? And you have a husband and a wife, and all of a sudden, they have come upon some cash. Someone has given them a gift. 
And um, I want to set up some background information for you, okay? So the husband is prophetically motivated. Now, we talked about gifts of the Spirit in, in Romans chapter 12. Do you remember these? Gifts of the Spirit. This is review time. Do you remember them? There's the prophet. That's the person that tends to be black and white, tends to have a high regard for right and wrong and that kind of thing. And then the second uh, motiv- uh, motivational gift that the Holy Spirit revealed there in Romans 12 is um, the servant. That person sees a need, meets a need. The third one is the teacher. Everything in life is a lesson. No matter what you're going through, if you could tell a teaching motivated person because everything is good for us because we're learning something. Um, and then there's the encourager. They always are you know, giving you a, a good word, spurring you on, and, and, and thinking of good things that you can do and all that kind of stuff to, to grow in your most holy faith. And then you have the giver. That's the person that uh, just loves to help people with their resources. And then you have the leader. These are the ones that have a vision. They see what could be, and they, and they are great at organizing people around accomplishing that, that dream, okay? And last, you have the mercy-motivated people, and these are the ones that just love on people. They give you a hug. They, they're, they're empathetic to the situation you go through. Oftentimes, this gift listing in Romans 12 is called the motivational gifts because it's the how and why you see the world. Okay, so now with that bit of background and, and review from Romans chapter 12, now we have the husband. He's prophetically motivated. So you know, he's a decision maker, right? All right? He, he likes to do things that's right and wrong. He's married to this lovely bride. Amen? And they're in love, right? We're in love even though we can be different. And, and she's a giver. So her motivation is she loves to help people with their resources. You get in the scenario here? Now, they've been given some cash. And they're trying to decide as a couple, what do we do here? And they have some conversation. Well, now let's move on to Romans 13, because I'm, re- I'm reviewing this as we do this, too, with this scenario. Some of where we've been, okay? So I have a, another motivation behind what I'm talking about with you here uh, uh, about this morning. Anyway, so he quotes to his lovely bride, Romans 13.8, amen? He said, let no debt remain outstanding except the debt of love. So we should use that cash that windfall, to pay off our debt. Amen? Because they're in debt as a couple. But they also have a, a relationship with a family, and the child's been sick, and there's a great financial need. And this, 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 this woman here, this wife, as wives are really good at doing this, aren't they? Helping men think. Anyway, um, <laughs> she says, yeah, but hon, you didn't complete that thought. Because Romans 13, 9 says, love your neighbor as yourself. And then, of course, as most gals, they know more than their husbands. She goes on to say, 1 John 3, 17 tells us this. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but does not take pity on them, how can the love of God be in them? I think we should take our money and help these friends that had the situation with this child. We should give to them. Do you see how this cash now is becoming a disputable matter? It's not the main thing, but because of the differences in their giftedness and their perspectives, they're starting to have a little bit of what? Tension. Now, let's take this even further. Uh, let's do a little bit of a 
personality profile on this couple, okay? I'm going to use the disc for that. I don't know uh, if you guys are familiar with these personality tests or not. Um, they have some merit, okay? I'm going to use disc. And what that means is, is personalities are divided into a quadrant of four. You have the dominant quadrant over here. That's the person that's cleric and easily makes decisions and is okay with telling everybody else what to do, all right? Then you have the I. They're the influencers, they're the ones who love people, and they love to help people, and they uh, use influence as a way uh, of, of affecting others. Then down here you have the S, the steady eddy people, the ones that are just calm and collected and always, you know, kind of dependable. And then you have the C, the conscientious ones. They're the detailed ones, the analytical ones that make lists. And, uh, hi, Vicky. She, uh, she's doing the online. She's, she's the C person. She has lists all over the house, on the mirrors, on the counters. She's always doing lists. And I remember early on in our marriage, I said, please don't put me on your list and make lists for me. All right. But that's how she gets things done. So now let's, let's imagine this. You've got the husband. He's prophetically gifted and he has a dominant personality. I'm going to say, if that's your gift mix and personality, you're a strong person. And my advice to you is this, don't say nearly as much as you think you should. All right, just be cautious. Because if you have that gift mix, woo baby, it's, it's a lot of strength there. So let's say that's him. And the lovely wife here who's the, the, the giver, that's her spiritual gift, is an influencer. So she loves to use her resources to influence and help other people. She's motivated that way, okay? So now they're talking about the cash. What do we do with the cash? These are real conversations I have with people. <laughs> and they don't understand the dynamics that are at play here. They're not getting it. They just know that they're at this impasse. And they're both convictional in what they should do, but they can't seem to get a resolution. He just thinks, we should pay off that debt. We just got to get out of debt. And he's so determined that's got to be the case. And then she kind of digs her heels in equally. You know? We need to give that money to this family in need. It's going to bless them. And God says we got to love our neighbor. And you know what? Hopefully they can come to some kind of compromise, right? I mean, sometimes when I'm talking to such a situation, I said, have you ever thought that you don't have to give it all to one or the other? Some could go to paying off your debt. Some could go to helping this family, right? Amen. Amen. It should be that easy, right? But sometimes these things escalate to the point where people just aren't seeing clearly anymore. But usually, usually you can come to resolution hopefully, and, and understanding how we wor work is just, I think, paramount uh, uh, to some of these dynamics. So, you can, so having some extra cash can become what? A disputable matter. I just want to expand your kind of concept of what disputable matters can be because we're kind of being boxed in by our culture and how we're thinking about some of these things right now. And I want us to understand that disputable matters are probably more prevalent in our, our everyday life than we realize. So now we're going to go to Romans 14. And I'm going to read verses 5 through 12 for you. And Paul's going to take us to days. Which day is sacred? Which day is not sacred? Here we go. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. 
Whoever regards one day a special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. So here's our big thought today for this message on disputable matters, all right? You should be fully convinced of your stance on a disputable matter so that your course of action is done to please the Lord. So you should be fully convinced but you should also be considerate of others who have different views. So I just want you to remember that. Be convinced. Be considerate. Be convinced when it comes to disputable matters of your own course of action and you're doing it to please the Lord, but be considerate of someone else who chooses to do something entirely differently, understanding that they may be just as convinced of pleasing the Lord as you are in the course of action that they're taking. See, Paul moves us from, should we eat meat, not eat meat? And now he takes us to what day is sacred? To the Jew, Sabbath would be sacred, probably, in the early church. They grew up, most likely, honoring the Lord on the Sabbath, um, obeying that commandment. They had all their celebrations and their days that they observed. And so even when they became Christ followers, most likely they thought, you know what, Sabbath is still holy. And these, these, these traditions, these days that we observe, we probably should still observe those because they remind us of Christ and they pointed us to Christ and they can still be used that way. Well, then you got the, the, the Gentile, right? They, they didn't have any of that background. They were... Uh, coming into the church, and, and they were celebrating Resurrection Day as the Holy Day. Sunday, first day of the week, that's holy. That's what should be the, 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 the day that we observe. And then you had the ones in the body. There's always this group. They're holier than everybody else. So every day is holy. There's no difference. They're all set apart to the Lord, you know. And so you had these three scenarios or four or more. Who knows what, what's going on there? And, and, and this is a little bit messy. So there could be a diversity of views on this secondary issue. Paul saying, be convinced in your own mind. Do it to please the Lord Jesus Christ, but be considerate of another person's perspective and why they're doing or what they're doing. So years ago, this is a long time ago, I began to realize that when I was talking uh, first hour. Um, just done with college, University of Minnesota College. And uh, had worked for 3M for a year, and we moved to Pella, Iowa, and I took a job in Knoxville, Iowa. And so we're moving into Pella, this little community in southern Iowa in the early 80s. And we get there, and I got my lovely brain. We're like, I'm like 23 Okay, and I got a little girl, and you know, that kind of 23. Anyway, you get the age, we're moving, and we're just new to this whole thing. We just bought a house, got this new job at this plant, and I move into this little house in Pella, and my neighbor makes his way across the way right away to me and introduces himself to me. Um, very friendly fella, and we grew to be uh, good friends, and he's talking with me. He said, By the way, he starts whispering. I thought, Why is he whispering? By the way, Steve, he says, 
we don't work on Sundays in Pella. And I said, what does that mean? Because I had no idea what he was talking about. You can't mow the yard outside. Your wife can't hang the laundry outside. If you're going to do something, shut the garage door so nobody can see you do it. If your wife's going to do laundry, tell her to use the dryer that day. And I go, huh, why is this? He says, that's just the way it is in Pella. All right? So what they were trying to do in Pella was honor the Sabbath. And they were trying to make the whole town honor the Sabbath, right? By not doing any work. So I said to Galen, can we cook on Sundays? I didn't know what was legal or not. Do we have to prepare it on Saturday and cover it with the oilcloth like the Jews did? You know, I didn't know this was new to me. You got to understand, I grew up Lutheran. We had no rules at all, amen? Then I became a charismatic, and what little rules we had were chucked out the window. Now I'm in Pella and all those kind of rules. There's rules everywhere, right? And so... Um, yeah, we had a really good conversation, and I remember that that didn't work real well. And I remember going on walks with my wife on Sunday and said, uh-oh, they're doing the laundry today, because I can smell it. They're using one of those cloth things you throw in the dryer. They're not very smart or subversive like they're supposed to be. Anyway, I, I remember thinking about Colossians 2, verses 16 through 17 a lot at the time, which says this, therefore... Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So we need to be convinced of what we're doing. Amen? But what? Considerate of others who would differ from us on a disputable matter. So here's a disputable matter key question. Is my decision and course of action based on a desire to please Jesus? Is that what I'm making this decision on? Is that what's driving me as a person? Listen to Romans chapter 14, verse 6 through 8 again. Listen to this. Paul says this. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God, and whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we what? We belong to the Lord. We belong to the Lord. So Paul, I love Paul. He's talking on this controversial stuff. Meat, no meat. What day is sacred? In our particular case, it could be mask, no mask. Vaccination, no vaccination. Should we give the people $5 trillion or should we not give the people $5 trillion? I never hear that one, by the way. I'm thinking, woo, that's a big mess. And we, we have that. And, and, and what Paul is saying is, the issue isn't what is important. It is what is driving you. Where is your heart? Why are you making the decision you're making? Is it to please Jesus Christ first and foremost? Paul does that in all of his writings. Of course, he's, he's under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so I hope so, amen? But he always drives us from the surfacey kind of things down and drills into our hearts and said, what is your heart behind this thing? So here's the perspective. 
For the follower, all life is to be lived in the context of belonging to Jesus. As a Jesus follower, you're not your own. You belong to him. Everything you do then should be done in that kind of, uh, you know, light. Um, I've heard people say, well, why can't I do what I want to do if it doesn't hurt anybody else? As a Christ follower, that's terrible theology because you belong to Christ. And all of your life should be lived in that regard, in that kind of perspective. And when it comes to disputable matters, then that should be what drives us. It's interesting that after each case of disputable matters here in Romans 14, whether it's meat or no meat or days that are sacred, Paul always ends that thought with saying, we're accountable to God. After the meat, no meat, you're accountable to God. After the days that are sacred or not sacred to you, you're what? Accountable to God. Um, I want to clarify something here. Paul's not talking about issues that are clear. And this is what concerns me. So when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life, no man comes to the Father except through me, there is one way to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ. Are you hearing that from me? Because when Christians are surveyed by Barna Institute and others, so many say there are multiple ways to heaven. Huh? Uh. That's not a disputable matter. That is a clear teaching of Christ, that there's one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. So on those kind of issues, we should be willing to die on the hill, so to speak. But when it comes to meat, not meat, what day is sacred, um, some of these cultural issues that we're facing today, they're not worth the destruction of a relationship over. Be convinced, but be what? Considerate of others. So I read this section of the Bible multiple times as we normally do when Aaron and I are speaking. You begin to really look at the scripture so much. And um, these last few verses really caused me to do some what I would call self-introspection, reflection kind of thing. And I think there's a tendency with people to compare and compete. Have you noticed that? We just naturally do that. And we naturally want people to be like we are and wonder when they're not like we are. We tend to judge others readily and we tend to give ourselves a lot of leeway and slack. And I am beginning to see that that's just wrong. That, that God uh, is telling us that one day we're going to stand before him in every intention of our heart and every motivation for what we have done will be revealed. And I reflected on that, thinking, God, you really do see our hearts. And what Paul does is take this matter that's questionable, and what does he do? He drills right into the heart of the reader. He says, why are you doing what you're doing? Be convinced of doing what pleases the Lord, but be considerate of someone else that does something entirely different of you with the same motivation to please the Lord. But you should be doing whatever you do to please the Lord. Amen? That should be what drives you. So I want us to take a, a couple of minutes and have just a, kind of a sacred moment here in church. I hope all the moments are sacred. But I, I really want you to consider this reflection. Your true motivation for your decisions and actions on disputable matters will be revealed as you stand before God's judgment seat. It's kind of sobering. I want you to reflect on that for just a couple of minutes. What have you been thinking on lately? What have been your stances on those issues? 
Has your soul, uh, has your soul reasoning been, I want to please you, Jesus? So what I'm going to do is we're going to have 10 seconds of quiet. Just think about some of your recent decisions and what, what was going on and why you made them. Were you doing it to please the Lord? So here we go. See, what I'm concerned about when we talk on some of these issues is that we rationalize them away and we think on the national level of debates and things that are going on and God wants to drill into each one of our hearts. Amen? So I'm coming to church today. I'm not going to tell you what happened because it's between me and the Lord. But I had an incident a little bit and I begin to react wrongly. Anybody been there? And right away I said, oh my goodness, I'm preaching on this today. And I drilled back and I actually stopped what I was doing and said, what am I doing here? You follow what I'm saying? And I think God wants to connect with us this way and to this depth. Paul quotes here, uh, Isaiah 45, 23, that before God one day, every knee will bow. And uh, every time we'll confess that Jesus is Lord, there won't be on that day of reckoning any atheists. Amen. All will be face to face with God. And for the ones who haven't received Jesus as their Savior, this will be a horrific day. It'll be terrifying because such ones will be cast into hell. I mean, if you don't know Jesus today, I'm just going to say to you, that's a, that's a terrifying place to be at because you don't know your future. And what's going to happen is there's going to be this great white throne judgment talked about in, in Revelation chapter 20. And if your name is not in the book of life, it, you're cast out of God's sight. It's, if you're here and you don't know God, I, I, I ask you, consider Jesus Christ. Listen to what he's saying. Listen to his invitation. All right? Now, for those of us who have received Jesus Christ, we don't go through a heaven and hell judgment moment with God at the end of the age. The great white throne judgment for us, all your names in the book of life, you, you know, pass. Once you become a Christ follower, once you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are a citizen of heaven, amen? Amen? You're temporarily here for a, a few more years, but you become a citizen of heaven. So the judgment being talked about here isn't a judgment of heaven and hell for the believer. It's a judgment of intentions of the heart. It's a looking at what you did and how did you steward your life and did you live for the cause of Christ and were you doing things in your life to please God? If something was done that wasn't done with the motivation of pleasing Jesus Christ in your life, that's what was referred to as, as straw. It's burned up. It, it doesn't, it's consumed. It's, it's not, it's not it, the refining fire of Christ takes care of it, you know, it, but it will be revealed. And only those things which last, which are of Christ, will stay on that moment. In fact, in, in Romans 14, um, the phrase judgment seat comes from the Greek word bema, meaning believers will have a day of an accounting. And it's an accounting for what we did with our lives and how we stewarded our lives. But the accounting will be accounting of the heart. Are you hearing this? We think so American. Quit thinking American. We think we have to do all these good things and do good works. No, the accounting here is 
It's going to be looking at your heart. How was your heart before me? Was it on fire for me? Did you do everything to please me? Was that what drove you and motivated you? I mean, this really got me thinking. And I have to admit, I had some moments of, God, I'm just a sinner here. You been there? My heart's far from you in this area of my life. If I'm really honest, I'm doing things because I'm selfish. And I don't want to stand before you and have to give account of that one day. Just burn it out of me now. Amen? That's, that's kind of my prayer. And I find myself kind of crying a little bit to God. Grace me, Jesus. Grace me, Jesus. Grace me. I need your power. I need your power. I need your power. Because I don't naturally think this way or act this way. See, we can read Romans 14 and we can get all bent out of shape about discussions on masks or vaccinations or the national debt or whatever. And you're missing the point entirely what Paul's trying to say. He is saying that disputable matter, if it doesn't drive you to me like it should, it's not doing the work I intend for it to do in your life. Amen? And that's where I I begin to say, okay, God, you want us to be convinced of what we're doing, but considerate of others. Amen? Convinced of what I'm doing, but considerate of others. See, I love how Paul takes something like a disputable matter that's just, it's it's a hot button, and he uses it as a launching pad to get at what really matters, and that's our heart attitude and our heart towards Jesus Christ. So next week, we're going to return back to this again. It's kind of a climatic conclusion to what I've been talking about for a couple weeks here. It's super short. It's part of the um, All Generations Sunday, but I think super impactful, but I'm going to leave that for next week. So I was thinking, as we... We're looking at ways to finish this up. I think what you want from us, Jesus, is to extol you in everything that we do. You want us to just praise your holy name. You want us to live a life of praise and walk close with you. And so what I want to do today is something entirely differently than I first thought I would do. I'm going to read to you from Psalm 34 because it's just such a great section of scripture on zooming us in on extolling Christ, extolling our God, amen? And if disputable matters are handled rightly, that's what they do for us. They grace us to what? Be convinced in him. This is what I should do, but I'm doing it to please you and extol your name and to magnify you. You know, there's so many disputable matters. I can just offend everybody. I can just say something in search and it just gets people on fire. So I'm going to say this and just include some more people in this inclusiveness of offending people. Not, not really, all right? But back when we had our first daughter, Liz, um, it, we had a little hard time conceiving. It took us a few years. And, and um, I remember when we had her, I was so happy. You ever been just so happy about having a child? I was just so thankful. And uh, Vicky and I were already becoming very, what I would call, radical Christ followers. Anybody know what I mean? I mean, I was very outspoken in work. And I said, we're just strange to everybody. That's the way I felt like at the time, you know. And uh, so we're down there in Pella. And I'm painting the house a color that the neighbor wonders what in the world we're doing, because she told me that. Um, and uh, Vicky comes out and she says, now, hon, I, I want to talk to you. <laughs> and I thought, oh, painting the house. What can this be? She says, I think we should like homeschool our daughter. And I remember turning to her and said, aren't we strange enough? That was my first comment that came out. 
And we really, we, we didn't do that because we have an indictment against public school. We don't. That was not our motivation. My mom's a public school teacher. My sister's a public school teacher. My middle son is now a public school teacher. And I, I just said, honey, I'm just really grappling with this. She said, well, we'll just take it year by year and see what happens. I just, she, I remember saying, I'm not ready to release her to others yet in, in that regard. I said, okay, kindergarten should be pretty easy, I think. And so we homeschooled some of our kids. Then we sent some of our kids to Christian school. Then we sent some of our kids to public school. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? I have no idea what we're doing. Each time we're kind of convinced this was the best way to do it. But if someone gets to me and says, what are you, are you for or against? I go, I don't know. Because we've done all three. I honestly don't know what's best. But I do know this. Parents, you matter. Amen? And your input into your children matters tremendously. Amen? And so there's another disputable matter. I hope I didn't offend anybody by that. I hope not. Because I honestly don't know what I'm doing. So there you go. So um, I want us to just extol Jesus for a few moments. I'm, and we're going to read Psalm 34 now. Are you ready to hear this? Just if you want to close your eyes, if you want to take a prayerful posture, if you want to look at me, whatever you want to do, that's fine. But, but listen to these words of the psalmist. I will extol the Lord at all times. And I'd add in there, in the midst of disputable matters or when I have clarity, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I can just, can you taste them today? Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord for you, his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you uh, for Paul's insight and anointing of the Holy Spirit. I want to thank you, Lord, that some 2,000 years later, we're reading these words and they're so applicable to us and to our life situations. So I pray, Lord, when it comes to disputable matters, matters that are gray, that we would be convinced and we would do courses of action to make decisions with the motivation of pleasing you, but that we'd be considerate of others who maybe differ from us on their decision-making and their course of action, Lord, understanding that they too may be seeking to please you like we are. So God, I pray, help us to have this strong unity around Jesus Christ. We belong to Jesus and everything we do should be out of belonging to Jesus. But help us to understand that we might not be uniform throughout the body. People might express that differently on these secondary issues. And help us to be okay with that and not recreate relationship over that kind of difference, Lord. That's my prayer for the church, that we'd be one in Jesus Christ. That we'd be centered on the things that really matter and those things that don't matter, we'd be convinced but considerate of others. Man, Jesus, we love you so much. I love what Ben did today and how he opened the service. 
just pray we continue with that kind of reflective, introspective uh, thought process all throughout the day, Lord. Um, and bless this time of singing to you. We do it anointed with your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.